Welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own astrological midlife by speaking with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work. Although common understanding of midlife is a bit older, astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for everyone. Each of the main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details vary by generation and by individual. It directly corresponds to the term midlife crisis, though I like to call this the midlife unravelling and my therapist tells me to consider it as enlightenment. If you're new to the show, welcome. At the end of each episode, I share a track of my original music. Check out the show notes for links mentioned during this episode too. It's the new moon in Cancer for the release of this show, an upcoming lunar month to sink into themes of emotional environment and family connections. The quality of Cancer is also tenacity, the mama bear superpower, so be tenacious this month. My guest today is Kate Apanui. She's a life coach whose passion areas not so mysteriously, line up with her midlife astrological transits. She works in the realm of Crave, with programs on relationships with food. She also works with horses to assist in her coaching work. In this conversation, we find out more about her and the work she does, and then morph into learning more about the midlife astrology transits. Enjoy. Kate, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm really interested in the kind of work that you're doing. And so can you tell us a bit? What what are you what who are you? Like what 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 kind of offerings do you have for the world? Oh, I always find this like a really interesting question to answer because it's cha- it's always changing. I feel like I'm I can't just stick to my lane a little bit. <laughs> I feel like um, so yeah, so what I what do I do? I'm a life coach. Um, I professionally trained as a nurse and then kind of got out of that and wanted to kind of help people in a different way. Um, and really I do work with I do work with horses, um, and that's more to help the people than to help horsey people so it's people who sometimes people come who don't even like horses um, or who are really scared of horses some people come and they just love horses and they're like I don't know what you do I just wanted to be around the horses so um, I do work with horses and I can get into that if you like a little bit and then I do um, coaching offerings one-to-one and I do some group coaching and yeah, I think I really just like to help people be more themselves is probably how I can best describe it, myself included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of your group coaching specific into um, that relates to your podcast Crave as well around food, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So I do, I have done probably for about the past three years, I think, um, helping people the way that I think about it is change the way they think, feel, and act around food. Um, because I think, you know, particularly women, like we're just bombarded with so much information. And most women, if you said, you know, what's a good 
way of eating for you? Most women kind of know like, oh, if I eat this and if I don't eat that, I feel good or I feel bad. Um, you know, people know if intermittent fasting is for them or not. People know if juicing is for them or not. You know, every I don't think there's one right diet that is the right thing. Uh, but what I know people universally struggle with is doing what it is they most want to do. So having an idea about, yeah, I know it's really good for me to eat more vegetables, but actually doing that is quite difficult. Or um, So the Crave program that I run really helps people kind of understand like, why is it that I'm struggling? You know, it's not like, why is it that I can't follow through on the things that I most want to follow through on? And how can I actually start to do that? Um, because yeah, it's really soul destroying to know I, I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to overeat today and here I go again. And that's just not a nice way for people to live. So I really like to help people move through that. I'm picking that you start with food, but it probably kind of creeps out into like every area of life. Like what are my blockers for everything? (laughs) And it's just kind of coming up through food. Do you find that with a lot of people? Yeah, so I call it um, like I call the program Crave because like we're craving, you know, something. People go, oh, I just crave chocolate or I just crave chips or whatever their thing is. Um, and often to be fair, like, you know, alcohol comes a lot up a lot in the program. People go, oh, I thought it was just food, but actually look at my wine situation. Um, so, but I call it crave because I think we're craving more than just food. Food is like this sad substitute that we use for something much bigger that we're craving. Um, but we can quickly and easily access food and it sort of satisfies us a little bit in the moment, but doesn't necessarily really satisfy our cravings. So, um, yeah, I start with triggers and food and how your brain works and all of that and then we kind of end the program with like you know what's your vision for your life like where are you not saying yes to something and what is it that you would really like to be saying yes to and that kind of thing wow that sounds inspiring (laughs) very inspiring yeah I really love it I really love doing that and what was the inspiration for that for creating Crave Uh, my own shitty problems (laughs) um, probably like oh yeah so well how crave really came about was I had a group of girlfriends over one evening and I don't even really know how you know when you get talking about things and they weren't particularly close girlfriends either they were just a group of women that I knew um and was friendly with and we got chatting and I started to divulge my eating habits which was really kind of unlike me um I am quite an open person but I like I hadn't really talked to anybody about this before so I found it weird that I was talking to women that I didn't know particularly well um and I just realized man I'm not healthy here like not not healthy in terms of oh I'm not eating enough vegetables but like the way that I'm eating is really unbalanced you know I'm eating way too much sometimes and like you know going to be really uncomfortable and just like you know physically uncomfortable I have to lie on my stomach because I'm just so sore because I've eaten so much and then like I'm intermittent fasting for the next two days you know 
And I said that with like air quotations because it's it's not fasting when you're starving yourself because you've eaten too much and it's sort of like a way to try and balance everything out. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a healthy mindset around food. I noticed I was obsessing around food. Um, and yeah, I just thought, I just don't want to live like this anymore. So I kind of, I randomly came across a book called Women, Food and God in the library. It was like, you know, out on a shelf. Oh. Have you read Women, Food and God? No, I have a couple of other food related books, but not that one. Yeah. So it's by a woman called Janine Roth. And um, I mean, she's been around forever. She's, she's written mean, a she's lot of books, right? She's written a lot of books. Yeah. And I think that may be her most, I could be wrong, but I think it might be her most recent. And it just really resonated with me. And so I sort of went on a big, like, I'm a life coach. How <laughs> can I fix this for myself situation? Um, and then I thought, man, there must be so many other people out there. Well, I know there are. I mean, you most this is probably a gross generalization, but many women that I talk to, they'll say, Oh yeah, I want to lose five kilos, you know? Like women have just got it on the brain. I think uh, we uh, need to blame that on um, like, you know, women's magazines and the media, like completely, especially, I don't know about you, like we similar in age, but like growing up as a teenager with Kate Moss, the waif look, not yeah. healthy. Or, you know, like I hadn't watched Friends in years, but I've got a teenage daughter and she's really into watching Friends. And, you know, Monica and what's her name? Rachel. They're just so teeny tiny. And I grew up thinking that that was like, you know, a healthy, what I should be aiming for size. Um, yeah. So there's a lot there. <laughs> I think a few better models out there now. Like I was watching Amy Schumer, who's hilarious. Oh, yes. And she's yeah. got a normal body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot more in the media now. Like there's a lot of variation. Whereas in the 90s, uh, yeah. Kate Moss was the gold standard. <laughs> Poor Kate Moss. She just takes such a hammering for that. Oh, yeah. Actually, got a, got a feel for her. I mean, I mean, Al McPherson was kind of around, and I think it might have been a like a, a better one to, but that, but still very, very slim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we were, I don't know. It must be, I, I don't know what it's like to grow up as a teenager now, but I felt like we, I paid a lot of attention to supermodels as a teenager. I don't know why. Like. Well, they were all through the, the especially the magazines, because that was the thing, like the internet wasn't really a thing. And I mean, it was there from the mid nineties, but it didn't have the power that it does now. Yeah. So I'm careful, like, you know, I think women, um, you know, when you're uncomfortable in your body because of a standard that's unnecessary, like, you know, trying to be as skinny as Kate Moss, for example, for me is completely unrealistic it's not my body shape or size but I also know when I'm indulging in habits or I'm just living in a body that's not comfortable for me yeah. like it's just not a naturally good weight um, and I think there's a difference between those things like knowing like oh yeah it would feel better physically to be a different size would yeah I don't know a lot of my 20s I was one of those classic people who go over to the UK and the UK living in the UK for those of us that did the OEs like I think pretty much every most people 
came back carrying lots of extra weight because it wasn't he wasn't the we didn't meet for coffee you went for a drink and then they were like oh what was that drink that um Guinness no um something bites snake bites yeah yeah cider (laughs) beer and a shot of black currant I mean how many like oh yeah Yeah. great for me (laughs) yeah it's just a different cultural way of living yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely so yeah yeah it's there's a there's so many things around that to unravel but yeah (laughs) so I've um I was looking because unraveling midlife loosely based on astrology and I noticed that you, you would have started um working with with crave and that probably in your pluto square which is that first main astrological midlife transit that starts for our generation with pluto and um and goes through yours is actually um your astrological midlife is even longer than mine <laughs> just because oh of the play of the um <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a different different generations have like because there's Pluto, there's Neptune, there's Uranus, there's Saturn, and Saturn's kind of a smaller one compared with with the others, and um, and they but that might have an impact more of an impact for some people. And basically, our parents' generation, they like two of them were like right over each other because the planets were right together when they were born and ours are a little bit more staggered and it depends how fast and slow the planets are playing and at the different times, especially with Uranus. So when you started um, the the Crave work, yeah, it was your Pluto square when it's like revisiting things that you feel like you've got over. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've landed that, I've learned it, I've moved on and then suddenly, whoa, it's in your face again. You're like, I got it sorted out this shit but it's right there again that's so funny that you say that because I didn't have healthy eating habits as a teenager and um sort of probably lived about 10 12 years of being a really healthy size and not even really thinking at all about food like I remember joking with other coaches like I could never be a weight loss coach because I don't even like where would I even start (laughs) and then um after I've had I've got three children and after the birth of my third child that's when it all went out the window and that's when I I was like I thought like literally what you said I thought I was done thinking about food worrying about food like you know having this as part of my life so that's so interesting isn't it it, it really is I know it was a real shock <laughs> and, and I only found out about this Pluto square while I was in it and I, I couldn't really see it. I knew it was a thing but it's taken me quite some years to kind of go oh and that's what happened oh and it's just these big transits aren't always comfortable but we like life's going to deal them to us so we just kind of get on with it and um and it's good to kind of have some preparation as to how yeah. to move forward like you know you're in your Neptune square at the moment and I wonder with Neptune being a planet like Pluto's a planet of big transformation like you're going to transform you don't have it you don't have a choice um and then Neptune is this planet more about spirituality and connection and dreamy and nature and I'm wondering if that relates to you getting interested in starting work with horses (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that is like, so speaking my language. (laughs) (laughs) 
because what did you say like spirituality and nature and like like one with the universe yeah that is a hundred percent where I feel like my um focus is at the moment so yeah I just find this fascinating like I've always had an interest in astrology um but it's so weird when somebody can tell you about yourself and you go yes that's it that's the exact experience of it it's so interesting um so Neptune spirituality what was the question (laughs) oh I was did it did it um is that time period because it was pretty much like last year um is that when you started to get interested in horses and working with horses because yeah yeah so yeah so I've done um done a I've been working with horses for quite a long time um probably I want to say since 20 uh let me just think 20 2011 was probably when I began like my horsework stuff oh that was your Saturn return (laughs) (laughs) it's also another kind of significant um life transit that everyone goes through and it's around the age of 29 where things become there's, there's often a shift like people might get married or have children or get divorced or grow up in some way become more adult doesn't I can't really relate it back to the horses but maybe it makes sense for you <laughs> oh yeah that makes total sense for me it definitely was when I um did grow up become more adult start sort of making my own way in the world a little bit um and yeah that's when I began my horsework and you know even just the like I yeah that's when I did all my like my solo travel and stuff like that because I got married quite young and when I was 22 so um a lot of my life had been and still is with the same guy um but you know like when you like if you think about 22 that's so flipping young isn't it like and if there's any 22 year olds listening they're like no I'm so adult and you are I mean I was obviously making adult decisions but yeah (laughs) there's way more to come and probably you know somebody who's 60 or 70 or 80 listening to this is like oh baby (laughs) you've got a long way to go I found that quite often when I talk to that age group they have trouble remembering back to their like early 40s (laughs) yeah interesting eh because everything's so important while you're going through it but yeah no definitely 2011 was um quite a growing up year for sure and so Neptune last year um is absolutely when I started so uh, to kind of started working with horses did a lot of work with horses moved from France back to New Zealand and um then I was riding horses which was just totally for pleasure nothing to do with my work um, and I fell off my horse and broke my back. Eek. And so then I stopped working with horses for, I think, about three years. Um, yeah. So <laughs> was that in the stars? <laughs> oh, I have to take a little bit of a closer look. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was last year. Uh, somebody was really kind of pushing me, like, you've got to go back to horses. And so yeah I really sort of started that that return to horses and more yeah they are quite spiritual creatures um yeah as we all are and how how did you you just kind of got the prod oh you need to work with horses with people as well as going back to horses or was that separate kind of steps um 
I had a coach who, you know, I said, oh, you know, this is how I used to work with people. I'm not really interested in doing it anymore. And they were like, are you serious? Like, are you, like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, no, that dream's kind of over. Like after I fell off my horse, um, I just really didn't want anything more to do with horses. I was really, <laughs> I can see your face. Like, well, what? I'm just trying to get clar clarity, like the work you were doing before you fell off your horse, you were working with other people as well. Like, is, was that in a coaching yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was working with horses, coaching people with horses. Um, but yeah, when I fell off, I was just riding out on a farm. Um, but I've kind of lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, so I had a coach who said, I think you should go back to the the work that you were doing before you fell. And so I, I, I really sort of trusted them um, and thought, okay, it's worth a look, you know, like just have a look down that road and see if there's anything there because it would be a shame to let it go you know it was such a big um part of my life and yeah the more I started to look down that road and travel that path I was like oh no actually I don't I'm not angry anymore I don't hate them the way that I did um, which sounds awful but yeah so how what was that first time going back to be with a horse like did you did you just stay next to the horse? You didn't get on the horse? like. Yep. So um, it was quite scary. Like I was like, I had a lot of anxiety around it. Um, but equally, like I can still feel it. It felt really emotional. It felt like a coming home. Like a, um, I just went and stood in a paddock with a horse and it was my friend's horse. He's a beautiful, lovely horse that I'd known before. Um, and yeah it it was like a really nice feeling I was like oh a, a softening I guess yeah so I thought oh, I should do that again <laughs> and so I just kept going back and yeah slowly worked through you know a few of my blocks and things that were kind of stopping me wanting to do that and so when you work with people with the horses what does that involve like going into a paddock and standing next to a horse um it could do uh, like my I think my idea of how I work with people and horses is another thing that's growing and evolving but typically the way that I think about it is that um so to give you kind of a, a picture of what it might look like if you were to come and say Kate I want to work with horses I might say great we'll put you into a round pen and I might ask you to do an exercise with a horse. I might say, okay, see if you can get the horse to walk around the round pen. Um, does that make sense? Okay, so the horse is completely naked. They're not, they haven't got ropes or halters or anything. They're just like at liberty. It's just and the horse that's naked, clearly. Just the horse that's naked. <laughs> <You're the best. laughs> it's not a nightmare. Um, and so then I watch how people approach that like you know how they try and make something happen um and some people just stand there and go I don't know what to do and other people might try and cuddle like walk up to the horse and give it a cuddle and try and coax it along and other people you know I do a demo and safety and all of that first so some people might try and exactly emulate what it is that I've done um 
or they might start doing something and then second guess themselves and think oh is that right and so after like you know I let it go for a little while I watch them and then I sort of say like okay what are you bumping up against here like you know if if it's going perfectly great like what are you, what's the feedback that you're getting if you're saying oh I don't know what to do where else in your life do you feel like you don't know what to do like you're just standing stuck with a problem that you just really have no idea how to solve or where else does it feel like you're trying to conjole something along and it's just not connecting with you um does that make sense yes yeah I'm I'm envisioning what would I do (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then sniff my hand out and let it sniff my hand and maybe give it a stroke and I don't know how to get a horse to walk I don't have a have a lot of experience myself (laughs) yeah and so then like somebody might say well oh you know um my boss I'm always coming up with good ideas and trying to lead them and show them how good it would be, but they just never listen to me. Mm. Or they might say, oh, you know, with my teenager, I just feel really stuck. I just don't know what to do. So I'm just doing nothing Um, or whatever it is. And then we sort of can coach a little bit around that. And so the way that the horse works is that horses are really, I mean, there's lots of layers of this, but Horses are really quite great at showing us, um, like mirroring to us, acting like the people in the situations in our lives that are maybe a little bit challenging or difficult. And the reason that things, I don't want to oversimplify this for lots of reasons, but oftentimes the reason that um, people respond to us in a certain way is because of the energy that we carry the thoughts that we think about something, the way that we feel about something. And so the horse kind of acts like the energy of your boss, your child, your partner, whatever. And you get to play with that in a different way. So when you shift your internal story through the coaching or you shift that internal energy that you've got, then the horse goes, oh, okay, well, now I'm going to respond totally differently. And then people can start to realize, oh, if I can change something with a horse just by, you know, changing my internal landscape, then I get to play with that with my kid or my boss or my partner. Um, And you realize it's much less about, you know, with a horse, they don't speak English. You can't say, well, if you do that and I do this, we'll meet in the middle and we'll come to some agreement. And you know, oftentimes we try and do that with the people in our lives, like you do that and I'll do this and then we'll be okay. You know, we kind of hand our husbands, like if you just emptied the dishwasher and vacuumed on Saturday, then I'd be much happier. <laughs> but it's much more than that. You know, it's a, it's a much bigger dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life is such a dance. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Like you, you got the Pluto, spurred the group coaching with that on on the food and the Neptune spurred the the horses and I have I have to admit that I am curious what will happen with your Uranus transit but it's another few years away when does that start oh it's in 2026 oh yeah that's right yeah okay um but yeah I say that like I know what I'm talking about but it's because you sent me the little chart that showed yeah so it's 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 a little way away what Uh, does it typically look like you know what's the kind of signs and symptoms 
it's a, it's like the big shake up. If you haven't got your life on track, Uranus will shake it up so that you do get your life on track and you can either kind of flow with it, with that kind of, with those kind of change lightning bolt kind of flashes of inspiration type energies, or it might be erratic and chaotic. Like mm. um, I, I did have an episode uh, with, well, I've talked to a few astrologers on my podcast, but there was one um, in the summer Levi Banner and he he said to me well I tend to find that people who have um who've had a lot of Uranian because um yeah Uranian influence in their chart they're kind of familiar with that energy so they find it a little bit easier so I was like oh please I do so let let, let that be me and, <laughs> but I mean I'm only just kind of probably in the first third um I did my last podcast episode was on my experience of it and one thing I found really hilarious when I was thinking about what to say on the podcast um was that you know this is the this is the classic midlife crisis though Mm um my 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 therapist said to me well no if you're in the spiritual realm your midlife crisis is kind of a it's a kind of a very normal thing but if you're living in a spiritual kind of way it's 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 your opportunity for enlightenment right mm-hmm. um, yeah my astrology teacher would call it the midlife crisis and then I started calling it the midlife unraveling from Brene Brown's um, essay uh, the midlife unraveling which was excellent um and how I named the podcast uh and so um the Uranian influence my astrology teacher Hasha has started calling the midlife unraveling just because I kept correcting her for about a few years <laughs> yeah, I love unraveling. it it's an unraveling <laughs> <laughs> uh, she got sick of it so I don't know <laughs> or maybe she liked it too so there's this crisis but like in a few the first thing I ever heard like oh that middle-aged thing I mean not that we mm. now in our early 40s like say that middle age kind of that's your 50s you know <laughs> not your 40s yeah, we keep pushing middle age off a bit. It. <laughs> yeah 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 but we have that um that that midlife the mid quintessential midlife crisis when you know maybe someone gets um divorced a lot of marriages from people I've talked to on the podcast a lot of marriages seem to split up around that time um mm. and then um someone might buy a sports car or a motorcycle or <laughs> a lot of men you know that kind of Um, I was thinking about that and I was like oh hang on I got a new car last year and you know what was secondhand but it was new for me and and I thought hang on I got one that was a bit more expensive than I was planning and it's kind of sporty looking but it's very practical because I'd like practical and it's pretty much the same as my Corolla but it's like it's a different type and it looks quite sporty it's like got rocket ship back seat um (laughs) (laughs) opening handles at the top and stuff and I looked in the ephemeris with all the dates of the planets and I was like oh it was my midlife crisis purchase (laughs) right on track right on track I was like I can't believe I even did that and didn't realize for another nine months right So interesting. So then what is, um, not to hijack your podcast, but I'm interested, yeah. what, like, you know, we can say, oh, you know, typically men sort of um, buy sports cars or motorbikes or whatever. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, well, how do, like, what's the quintessential midlife um, thing that a woman does? That's a really good question. Um, I... Like, is it divorce? <laughs> 
weekend. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like, or is it, I don't know. The thing that popped into my head, is it like a, um, like, is it a boob job or a nose job or a facelift or something like that? Um, I can't think of anyone of that age that I don't know that very many people have had any of those, but none of them were in that astrological midlife age. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. Yeah. Maybe we should get a panel by the past on that question. Yeah. Because we know, oh, that's when men buy sports cars or have affairs, you know, with much younger women. The sort of, I don't know, that's kind of what pops into my head is of men having midlife crises. And that's probably very judgmental, but it's just the the picture I get. But I don't have a picture of what women do. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I haven't contemplated it. Oh well, to be continued. Dot dot dot. To be continued. Yeah, <laughs> because I think there's also you know there's a lot going on for us. Like there's the midlife stuff, but then there's also like menopause and perimenopause. Like there's the real physical changes that we're going through as well. Mm-hmm. It's massive. It's for a lot of people. A lot of. People who are born female, <laughs> that's mm. around the time that a lot of people do start perimenopause, but not everyone. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Definitely questions. Yeah, I'm definitely talking in generalities. Not all men go and buy sports cars and have a fence. <laughs> no, no. Not at all. I talked to my husband last night about it. I said, oh, I'm doing this podcast tomorrow in midlife. And he's like, yeah, I guess there are quite a few people getting divorced, you know, like he could think of people. And I don't know if it's what society's just um, doing at the moment, but there's a lot more openness about polyamory. And so I'm having a few friends that are like, oh, I'm not interested in a monogamous relationship. I want I want to be polyamorous and, and a lot more, probably a lot, a lot of men really. <laughs> and it's becoming mm. like my friends, single friends telling me, um, that they're on whatever dating app and they're like oh yeah and these ones say that they're polyamorous and that's not me so moving on and then you know other people that are like oh yeah I want to try polyamory I've never done it so let's see how it goes so there's another whole kind of that's a whole other podcast yeah <laughs> oh my gosh taking notes again right polyamory yeah you're right I probably yeah that would be a that'd be a good one I guess the thing is a lot of the people I know that are polyamorous aren't they're probably more towards the beginning of their astrological midlife. Like the, most of the people I've come across polyamorous are a bit younger, like in, probably in their mid-30s. Mm. So, yeah. Who knows? Oh, there's so many so many different people, and I'm sure listeners will know that. They'll be like, but I know someone. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. That's always the case. Oh, oh and on that note, um, Kate, how do people find you? <laughs> not for polyamory i assume it's not on tinder <laughs> um right so oh hang on before we go tell me about saturn oh saturn, what does saturn do? so like uranus is the big shake-up then what happens in saturn yeah right so we we talked a bit about saturn return which is when saturn comes back at 29 when it comes back to where it was when you were born with the kind of movement into being an adult Right. So, so when you're, I think you'll be like 45, 44, 
um, I'll be 45 <laughs> when mine happens, uh, Saturn comes to 180 degrees. So it's, it's opposite. And so it's yeah. all, it's about structuring life. And so okay. there might be a bit of a shakeup. I just discovered when I looked forward in, in the book, I was like, oh yeah, mine's just, it's a kind of a quick once over, but you know, planets from our vantage point, they appear to go backwards and then forwards again. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, we all, we all kind of, a lot of us have heard about Mercury retrograde because it happens three yeah. times a year. We've got a Venus retrograde happening um, at the end of July. So it's 40 days where Venus goes backwards and switches from the morning star to the evening star, or is it the other way? You should know this, <laughs> but it, and, it, and it becomes invisible for a time because it's in line with the sun. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So every planet except the sun and the moon who that technically aren't planets do have a retrograde period and that's why like a Pluto or a, or a Neptune they last so long because they're quite a way out and then they go forwards then they go backwards over that point that relates to where the planet a planet was in your birth chart ah. so Saturn for me it's going over and I'm like oh yeah that happens with my Saturn return it just went straight over but then Saturn is going quote unquote backwards yeah it's gonna hit me again so I'm gonna have like this long Saturn opposition so I'm like okay I'm really gonna get organized Saturn keywords organized structure um time management that kind of thing okay interesting I could keep in mind in my life <laughs> yeah yeah Saturn can be good like that um and I guess the thing to remember with astrology is we've been talking about the transits that hit everyone, like as kind of mm. like a rite of passage in life, but we mm. all have our own birth charts and Pluto will interact with one of your other planets that uh, at other points in your life. Yeah. And oh, I don't know, I just used to be like, oh, well, the Saturn and the Pluto there, they can be quite difficult transits, which is the interaction of the, and the angle, making a specific angle. But um, there's always... Some people have charts where things are kind of spread out. Always going to have a Pluto transit. I'm always transforming. That's just how life is. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so fascinating. Yeah, there's, there's oh. lots to delve into. And there's lots available online. Gosh, my Instagram feed is basically all astrology and human design. <laughs> human yeah. design is another topic. I'll refer you back to episode seven. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it is quite interesting because, you know, I do, I'm not, I don't know anything about astrology, but I do like to follow it, you know, like mm -hmm. I read thing every day and what have you. Um, and it is quite interesting to consider it in the context of something like midlife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really different way to consider it. I really like that. So yeah, you've got Saturn and then there's um, a little bit of a break and then Chiron comes back to where it was when you were born and that's a real health check. So um, we were actually discussing it in my astrology class uh, last week or the week before about getting things aligned um, yes, and becoming more healthy in that period of midlife and in your 40s leading up to that when Chiron comes back to where it was when you were born, um, the more preparation you can do for being in a healthy space for that, the better for your health. Oh, that is so interesting because I think... Um like we feel the nudge at this time or I feel the nudge at least like okay you you're not here forever and you want to enjoy the next period of your life mm 
Mm. And make sure that it's healthy and, you know, I'm not just like on a downward spiral. So it's interesting that there's actually a planet that comes in and goes, hey, how's it going? Like yeah. physically, health speaking. That's so interesting. So that's Chiron. Yeah. 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 Chiron's an interesting one. Yeah. It's, it's making, doing lots of aspecting in, in my chart at the moment. So I know that I'm being on the health kick for the longest I've ever been on. Like, okay. Well, this is a way of life now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, very cool. All right. So I won't, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's more. Saturn comes around again at 58 and another level of responsibility. Yeah, and, mm. and then, then, then there's more. Um, in fact, I think some of my earlier episodes, and I could put it in, I could actually put in a link um, for a few YouTube clips from an astrologer like who actually goes through the transits for each decade. So if you want to find out what your teenager's going through. <laughs> oh, that's um, such a good idea. Saturn, Saturn is opposite again. Like the one we were just talking about that's coming up in a couple of years for you. Next year for me, it's Saturn comes around directly opposite where it was when you were born I've got a friend who's um she's having her set in opposition at the same time as her daughter's having her set in opposition at 15 mm. because she gave birth around the same the time of her set in return yeah and so when you know this kind of information like okay say I'm squaring Pluto at the moment is that right I'm going yeah. through this Pluto square Pluto square Pluto yeah. okay and then what, how do you kind of, as a midlifer, use that information to your advantage? Mm, I think that's a whole nother podcast. I'll refer you to episode eight. <laughs> episode eight. Okay. Awesome. Or is it nine? I, I, I will put it in the show notes. Just in there. both. <laughs> With a link. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Great. Love it. Um, yeah. So how do people find me? Um, I'm on Instagram just as Kate Upanui, I think, and you can find my website, kateupanui.com. And I'm on Facebook too. Do you do and some remote work as well as in person? Yeah, so I do a lot of my work is via Zoom. Um, right. Yeah, so, you know, COVID was kind of helpful to me in that way where people became really comfortable talking over Zoom and realized how easy that actually is so yeah that's most of my work is on zoom um except the horses except for the horses yeah <laughs> so if anyone's in the bay of plenty and wants to do some horse work <laughs> absolutely yeah there's a, i'm sort of looking at expanding a wee bit into some other areas so that more people can reach horses but yeah i work out of cambridge and katikati with horses mm. uh, so yeah both of those facilities are available and yeah I do groups I do teams um so some like business groups come okay. through um yeah corporate stuff yeah nice really good oh thanks so much Kate it's been great chatting with you even if we did end up interviewing each other I <laughs> <laughs> was great I'm okay <laughs> I I just find the interviews that I listen to that are conversational are so interesting. <laughs> I know because then you really start to actually unravel a topic a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, the questions I have are similar to other people. I don't know. Absolutely. Thank you so much. There were some brilliant questions. I've been making notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks.
Welcome to the music section of the show. This song was recorded live at New Zealand Spirit South Island in January 2023. It reminds me of the spiral we spoke about with the Pluto Square Midlife Transit, where issues we thought were done and dusted rear up again. It's like a spiral. We think we've mastered something and it comes back around and we have learnt a bit but it comes back to the same point. It rears up again, and then there's more mastery. And how after mastering at each time coming round again to that same issue, another level up, I feel my power with that latest life lesson learned. Of course, that's until the next one. But enjoy. This is called Power. I cared about what others thought of me more. 
Unraveling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraswati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.